Hey everyone, welcome back to the Wisdom Collective. I'm Adam Crowell and I'm on this week with our very special guest, Zuby. Zuby, how you doing, man? Yeah, good, thanks, Adam. Happy to be here, man. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, I'm super excited to talk to you because uh, there'll be people that are a little bit more online maybe that know about you already, um, but there'll be those who don't. Um, but honestly, I found out about you um, the way many people did. You had this viral moment where I'll let you tell the story about what that was, but I started hearing about you on Joe Rogan and uh, a few other places, um, and you came on my radar, but here's the deal. There's, there's any number of viral moments that happen any given year, right? Um, but you stayed on my radar because you had sort of this sort of, I don't know, a wealth of thought on whether it was weightlifting and nutrition, but also just self-improvement and a number of other things, but you're also engaging in what we might call the culture war and sort of the extremes of, especially the left, but not just the left, also the right. You're sort of engaging in this culture war that we have going on in thoughtful, and nuanced ways. And, and that's why you stayed on my radar, honestly. And I think that's why you've been growing in not only your popularity, but your influence. And so that's why I want to talk to you. Um, that kind of gives people an idea of where we're going. But thanks for what you're doing. And uh, let's get to know you a little bit better for our audience, for those who don't know about your viral moment and some of those things that we're talking about. So where are you from, Zuby? Where are you living? Yeah, man. Where am, I, well, where am I living or where am I from? Those are different questions. Well, let's do the where are you living first, and then we'll get to where you're from, because I okay. think that, that impacts your thought. Anything. Yeah, no doubt, man. I'm I'm based in the south coast of England, Southampton yeah. to be specific. Yeah. yeah, and people will obviously get that from your accent, right? So yeah, that's that's super. No, clear not at all. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, is it sarcasm or not? I can't tell. Oh, you. It's um, it's a yeah, it's that terrible dry American sarcasm. So so okay, tell people. Right, okay, so say. so you're not from uh, England, obviously. Where are you from? Let's talk about I, that. I am from England. I'm British. I'm English. Okay. Well then, okay. I have a British passport. So, okay, you're from England, but where have you lived then? Where have you been growing up? <laughs> okay, I grew up in the Middle East. I grew up in Saudi Arabia. Um, I lived there for 19 years. I've also lived in the UK on and off now for over 20 years because I went to boarding school from the age of 11. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was in Saudi Arabia, I went to an international school. Lots of Americans there, Canadians, people from all over the world, really. But I was in the American schooling system from kindergarten up until fifth grade. Mm -hmm. And uh, for that reason, I have um, a weird hybrid accent, which uh, is kind of hard to place. So I'm British. My family is originally from Nigeria. My family background is Nigerian. So the quickest way to explain it is that I'm a British Nigerian who grew up in Saudi Arabia and went to an American school for a while. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's good to say, um, yeah, where you're from, obviously, because there is something about, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit later, there's something about... Um, it's a weird thing going on in America right now. You had like a sense of, I don't know if it's like pride, but like clarity you wanted to give there that like, no, I'm, I'm British. Like it's my passport or whatever. And mm -hmm. uh, in, in the States right now, there's a weird thing going on where people are almost afraid to say they're American or they're from the U.S. or whatever it is, you know, to say that mm -hmm. that's a part of their identity or who they are. Um, yeah. and, and there wasn't a hint of that in the way you just responded. So um, I think there might be some uh, interesting yeah, that, things that, to unpack that yeah, I mean, that's me, though. That doesn't mean that that same attitude does not exist in the UK, because it does. Um, okay. I don't think to the same degree. But um, I would say that there's um, something going on in the modern Western world in general, mm -hmm. actually, particularly in the Anglosphere. Let me be more specific, because I don't think this is happening in, um, I don't think this is necessarily happening in all of the Western world. But I think in, um, certainly in places like the, the UK and the USA, there's something there's this uh, thing where, you know, sort of being proud of the country 
or being sort of outwardly patriotic or something, certainly in the UK. I mean, at least in the US, you guys have US flags everywhere. Yeah. Even if you go to California, there's US flags everywhere. Whereas mm. in the UK, you'll be pretty hard pressed to find um, British flags flying or English England flags flying. And when you see them, you know, some people will think that there's some sort of maybe this person's a, a closet racist or some sort of hardcore um <laughs> a, no, a little bit a like how like a national flag becomes a political statement which is so strange yeah yeah, yeah but i mean even if it's a political statement i mean it, it shouldn't be it should just be a sense of, of, of national pride i personally have no problem with the england flag i have no problem with the american flag i have no problem with the union jack etc um i think people should be proud to fly the flag of their own country and if they're not then i think that um hints at a bigger problem in society and culture, right? There shouldn't be, I've heard people say things like, uh, oh, if I see someone with a US flag in their garden, I know that they're probably a closet racist or something. And I'm like, that is such an insane, it's such an insane way to view the world. It's probably not a healthy way to view the world either. It's, it's um, good if you're if you're a good mind reader, but most people aren't. So yeah, yeah, it's not. No, it's most not people a good are approach. terrible mind yeah. readers. Yeah, and and the people who t try to do the most mind reading tend to be the people with the least information about the person that they're trying to mind read mm -hmm. um even on social media i find that my followers don't tend to mind read me that much but when people are doing massive mind reading and jumping to huge conclusions it tends to be people who don't even follow me and their first interaction is coming across whatever tweet happens to have sort of come across their feed and their eyeballs and in that mm -hmm. moment they decide to decide they know absolutely everything about you and often put their foot in their mouth and say something completely stupid um, which happens to me several times a day, but I don't check my mentions and notifications that much. So I probably miss 95% of them. Um, that's a good yeah, policy for fun. someone, uh, on that platform, but then with your, your reach, Dude, yeah, that, that would get them. Yeah. It reaches a point where there's no option, man, unless you mm -hmm. want to drive yourself actually mad. Um, I mean, just on Twitter alone, I get over a hundred thousand notifications a day. If I were to turn them on. Um, mm -hmm. I don't turn my notifications on my, my phone all throughout this thing would just be buzzing and flashing and <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. There's a level where you do have to sort of tune in and tune out very consciously and not just sort of sit there mindlessly scrolling through it and refreshing it all because it, it never ends. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's right. And that's, what's so cool, man. Um, you had, um, this mentality way before you blew up, let's say that, you know, before you had not only one viral moment, but a couple of them. <clears throat> um, and, and that I think is part of the reason why you can sustain and not go mad and not be addicted to the refresh button and all the things you're talking about, because you have <laughs> sort of this, um, this, this mentality, um, but also this, uh, this bit of content behind you, whether it was in weightlifting and nutrition, but also self-improvement, these different things we were talking about. Um, and you were interested in the culture war even beforehand. So I think uh, because you had already built um, some audience, but also some level of like convictions without being viral or as well known, that sort of sets you up that when you blew up, um, sort of by uh, the way a lot of people go viral, not intentionally necessarily, but um, it just happens. And uh, you were sort of well prepared for that. So that's, it's really cool. Let's talk about that story a little bit. Tell us, um, you blew up, like I said, I heard about you on Rogan at first, um, the way a lot of people did, um, and also just on some internet commentary. Um, but what, what was that? What, what'd you share? Uh, what blew up in the first place? And yeah. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, this is going back to February, was it? February 26th, 2019. I posted a short clip of me doing a 230 kilo deadlift, which is 500 and something pounds. And, um, I said something like, 
Um, I keep hearing about how biological men have no strength advantage over women. Uh, so watch me destroy the British women's deadlift record without trying. P.S. I identified as a woman while lifting the weight. Don't be a bigot. Um, and this video became a sensation. You know, at the time I posted it, I had 19,000 followers. Uh, this week, I just hit a third of a million followers just on Twitter alone. Yeah, so yeah. congrats. Over yeah. 330,000. Thank you very much. And it's just growing and growing. Um, and yeah, that was a real catalyst moment for my career and maybe even for my life in general. That thing went so far. I mean, the video now just on Twitter alone has over 3 million views. Um, I don't know how many million it has off of Twitter. And then all the interviews and stuff I did after have racked up millions of views. And like you said earlier, you know, a lot of people discovered me through that, but then they stuck around because of the other commentary or because of my music Music's or my podcast great, or all the other things yeah. that I do. Thank you very much, man. Thank you. Um, I find that people who like my, like me tend to like my music and, uh, I'm, I'm still trying to find someone who uh, what I'm trying to find is someone who disagrees with like my politics and my commentary, but who's willing to admit that my music is good. I have, I haven't come across this person. <laughs> I know, I know people who, who like my politics and agree with what I say and who like my music. I know people who like, I know people who, um, agree with my politics and don't like my music because it's not their thing. But it seems like everyone who opposes my politics magically also hates my music. So I'm not really sure that people are being totally sort of like fair and objective in their criticisms here when it comes to that angle. I think people are letting yeah. their, uh, you know, letting their biases sort of view how they listen to things. But what, mm -hmm. what can we expect in this Internet age? No, that's right. That's right. And what's so cool is, um, yeah, you and you were doing music, obviously, before you went viral as well, which is another part, another part of that sort of just pile of things you're up to that sort of help people stick around. But what's neat is, um, I, I obviously you're making just original songs, but there are songs that you have that have been sort of symbiotic to different culture moments or things that you got entangled up in. And so it's been mm -hmm. a way for you, I wondered to just think out loud about it and to sort of process those moments, which is cool. Um, but mm -hmm. um, it's also been a way to, just like you did with that weightlifting thing, I mean, it's kind of funny and there's there's a version of, people online that would be like yeah like that's a sick gotcha like what a like, like sick burn you know like those type of like reactions and in some respects it, it had that element to it but it wasn't that it wasn't just a a gotcha it was it was uh it was really special online because it had humor but you weren't just dunking mm -hmm. on people and being obnoxious you were sort of exposing the absurdity of yeah. um that situation with mm -hmm. humor and that's the, really the best mm -hmm. medicine and the best mechanism for that honestly and so yeah, that was, it was, it was truly excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, cause there's plenty of versions online, like I said, of people just dunking on someone and kind of throwing red meat to their crowd, whatever their crowd is. Right. Yeah, of course. Of course. The thing with me, um, and I think most people who know me and who follow me know this, um, perhaps some of my critics and people who feel they don't like me don't know this, but, um, you know, nothing I do comes out of malice, mm -hmm. right? I don't, I don't, I'm not someone who, I'm not a malicious person. Um, even, even despite all the flack and criticism and whatever I receive, like, I don't, I have a couple rules like online, you know, I don't, I don't insult people online, mm -hmm. right? I don't target people. I don't insult people. I don't just log into Twitter and I'm just like, all right, I'm going to just randomly attack this person. Right. I can be quite, I can be quite brutal with ideas that I think are terrible ideas, but I can separate uh, a human being, um, or a group of human beings from a particular idea in general. Um, unless the collective thing is these are all people who share a certain idea. Um, and so what I do is not based in malice. It's, um, and I don't, you know, it's interesting. You, you've used the term culture war quite a few times. And 
I don't, I don't, I'm not, my goal isn't to like get involved in a war, right? And I, this isn't something I yeah. even wanted to get involved in until, until certain things were breached or I could see were being, you know, people were trying to breach certain things where I feel like, okay, this is, this is somewhere where a line needs to be drawn in the sand, mm -hmm. right? So we live in, um, you know, if you're in the UK, US, et cetera, you know, we live in free, you know, liberal in the proper sense societies, or at least we used to prior to this year. Um, so yeah, you know, we have to be understanding and opening and uh, open and understand people have different views and people are going to have different political views, different religious views, different ways of operating, et cetera. And we all sort of at a very general level, we kind of need to a a agree at least on like, you know, treat people fairly, don't physically harm people, you know, don't assault, rob, kill, attack each other, right? Yeah. Every, not everyone doesn't need to be uh, all kumbaya and get, get on 100% with everything, but we can be polite, we can be civil, we cannot be fighting in the streets, so on and so forth. So when I see things that, that threaten that, right, mm -hmm. that, that threaten this, whether this is um, racism posing as anti-racism, or this is people trying to bend the very fabric of objective reality by saying that, um, you know, saying out of one side of the mouth, saying that biological, that men and women are very different and gender is very important and, uh, you know, gender is this and that. And then out the other side of their mouth, they're saying men and women are exactly the same. And in fact, that a man is anyone who says they're a man, a woman's anyone who says they're a woman. In fact, just by magically thinking it, you can, you know, switch from one to the other and switch back. So rather than, you know, which is, which is absurd. Um, mm -hmm. So rather than, like you said, with the point I was making in that video and w with it going viral, the, the point wasn't like, let me, let me explain logically why it's a bad idea for a biological male to compete against biological females, right? There, there are very obvious biological reasons you can give there. You can talk about bone density, muscle mass, oh, height, totally. weight, testosterone levels, lung capacity, reaction speed, right? There are a whole bunch of things, all of which cannot be reversed by even by someone uh, simply taking hormones, right? Especially if they've already gone all the way through puberty. So there, there are, you know, very scientific, logical, rational arguments you can give against that. Or, like you said, a lot of people, you can just totally make fun of the whole thing and just, you know, call people stupid or whatever. Someone like me, I like to take an argument that's being made and just play along with it, right? Mm -hmm. Just run along. I'll say, okay, I'll ask someone, what is a woman? They'll say, you know, someone who follows this gender ideology, they will say their answer is anybody who identifies as a woman. That's their answer, mm -hmm. right? Which is Which is not a... You know, I mean, th that that there's no segregation between a man and a woman then, right? Because right. a man is anyone who identifies as a man, and a woman is anyone who identifies as a woman, and gender is purely a sociological construct, then I'm like, okay, so I'm going to play by your rules. So I'm now a woman, and you can't question that, because to even question that would be transphobia, right? So if mm -hmm. I say I'm a woman, right? When Caitlyn Jenner said, I am a woman, and everyone said, yes, way, and gave this person woman of the year, right? If someone were like, um, hey, no, that's a man in a dress, right? They'd be called all sorts of vicious names, right? You know, how dare you? You're dead naming, you're misgendering, you're this, you're a bigot, you're a transphobe, you're horrible, you know, despite the fact they're seeing someone who's a former Olympian, who's, I don't know, six foot three tall, has a deep voice, etc. right? We're all supposed to suspend objective reality for the sake of political correctness, mm -hmm. and for the sake of 
not hurting certain people's emotions or whatever, right? And I believe we can be polite and we can be kind and we can be accepting and tolerant of people, whether they're sort of um, even people who are outliers in certain degrees, etc. Um, and I absolutely don't advocate any kind of, you know, harm or malice or anything towards anybody, regardless of right. who they are. But we also, you know, I think the idea of literally like, ab you know, throwing away objective facts, mm -hmm. right, for the sake of not hurting any emotions or for the sake of so-called political correctness, I think that is extremely dangerous. In fact, if you look at like, you know, places like North Korea or Stalinist Russia or Mao's China in the past, et cetera, right? One of the key things they did through propaganda is, you know, force people to believe narratives that they themselves deep down know are not true, right? Force mm -hmm. people to believe things that are objectively false, right? I'm not talking about opinions, right? People can have opinions and ideas and ideologies, et cetera, and those can be debated all day long, but we're both, okay, if, if I am trying to, so, okay, we're both, I know some people will be listening to the podcast, some people will be watching it, right? <laughs> Adam and I are both wearing black t-shirts, okay? Mm. If I start saying that my t-shirt is yellow, then, you know, it's okay. I mean, people can be like, no, Zuby, you're wrong, it's black, but if I'm like, you know, I, I believe my T-shirt is yellow. Okay, I'm allowed to believe my T-shirt is yellow and your T-shirt is green. But if I'm trying to force you to accept that my T-shirt is yellow, when you can see that it's black, and I'm trying to force you to accept that your T-shirt is green, when you can see that it's black, then we're in weird territory now. Right. 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 Especially if we're doing this on a large collective level where this thing has actual impact, implications, right? Mm -hmm. So... For example, the implication I was talking about is, okay, what about what about women's sports? If someone is saying that a biological male can compete against women in sport, in, what about boxing? What about football? What about weightlifting? What about powerlifting? What about rugby? What about every sport? We know that there are physical differences between men and women. Right, That's why right. the sports are sex segregated to begin with. And right? you're not what saying that because you have some like ill feeling toward no, like a community. It's like just a very it's not, normative there's no, there's no malice there. That's right. There's no yeah, malice yeah. there. And in fact, most, I believe most <clears throat> trans people um, who are not part of the sort of uh, activist brigade would agree with what I'm saying. 100%. Yes. Right? Yeah, they yeah, they, they yeah, would agree yeah. with what I'm saying. The people I've spoken to, they're like, yeah, this is, you know, they're not, they're not on board with all this madness that's being driven by a small percentage of people, many of whom are not actually transgender or whatever themselves, right? They just mm -hmm. want to be sort of champions of the so-called oppressed. Just like you have people who, uh, you know, claim to speak on behalf of black people or claim to speak on behalf of women or claim to speak on behalf of any other group, but they're self-appointed, right? No, no one necessarily appointed them. They're just saying like, black people feel X. And I'm like, do we? Wait, hang on. When did you come and survey like the billion plus black people on the planet? <laughs> like, I don't remember when we all, yeah. I don't remember when we all sat down and elected you to tell the entire world what it's like to be black because, you know, I don't remember when uh, women, 50% of the whole population, you know, appointed some woman on Twitter who's ex saying that she has the, all the answers of this is how women feel, this is the female experience, etc. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all individuals, and I'm very much an individualist. I believe that, obviously, community and, and the, the collective and nations and the world, etc. are important, but ultimately, I, I'm an individualist. I, th I think, you know, we have to respect the individual. You can't 
by respecting the individual, you, res you respect the collective. If you try to always put the collective ahead of the individual, then that's when you start trampling on individual rights um, mm -hmm. and the and ability I believe, for people to do what they do and believe what they believe. Yeah, and I believe community, you mentioned that, that term, that, I believe that is the harmony of uh, the individual and the collective. You know, um, mm -hmm. it, gives, it gives the individual the opportunity, the freedom, the empowerment to flourish in so many ways to, to exercise, whether it's unique gifting and abilities or whatever it is. Um, and sometimes that can be gendered even, right? But, but it gives an opportunity for that to flourish and thrive for the individual. But they also, mm -hmm. like, like a human body, have a part to play in a larger uh, community. And so and, and it's sort of, there's a both and to it. And community sort of brings the two together. If you get, because if you get too hyper-individualistic, you can forget or leave out those that um, have a part to play, but maybe just not in a perfect sense in your perfect world. Mm -hmm. As you, the you could individualize yourself to death. Anyone can, right? But also, yeah. you can obviously, and we're seeing that at the popular level right now, I think, um, with culture, you can collectivize yourself to death too. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where the, the, the faux needs of the many are above the individual. And uh, yeah, mm -hmm. you brought up some really helpful distinctions there. I like that you brought up the, uh, the distinctions about culture war. I think that's, that's really helpful. Um, I was using that term um, sort of in a quote unquote way, because I think sure. um, what you're doing is um, it's really helpful in that um, there's this idea um, it's one that Jordan Peterson's highlighted when he talks about the Bible, a lot of, he gets a lot of things interestingly right, but then he gets some things occasionally wrong. But, but this is one thing I think he gets right is he talks about this idea of a peacemaker and he says, peacemakers that engage in uh, warlike scenarios, they're not people who are just sort of the hippy dippy, like um, kumbaya types is the way you put it, right? It's not these types of people <laughs> that are peacemakers. This isn't a peacemaker. This is someone who, um, doesn't know how to use a sword and doesn't want to use one. Like that's, there's nothing powerful and impressive about that. The peacemaker is a person who has power, competency with a weapon and chooses to keep it sheathed at the same time and engage in a different way that has no malice. It has the other human being um, and can care for them um, at the forefront of what they're up to. Um, that's a peacemaker. And so there is, I think there is a cultural war going on. I just, I don't think that you're necessarily a, a sort of a participant in one side of that. I don't think that's the case. I yeah, think I mean, the role that you're playing is more of a peacemaker yeah. where it's like, you have the power because you have not just the platform, you have the reach now with mm -hmm. 300,000 plus or whatever you said, Twitter followers and stuff. Mm -hmm. You could like, you know, I'm not saying your followers are mindless, but you, when you have that kind of following, you can have an influence over the, some of those people and you could just it sick is, them on anyone. And so it's like- yeah, it is. It is powerful. And you're not doing that, but it's like you could aim at, canceling in the other direction let's say mm -hmm. you know and, and and you're not playing that game um and so there is no, a peacemaking no, I, element to what you're up to which is great yeah most certainly man look ultimately um like i say you know I, I have good intentions and i i one idea you know like jordan peterson i i like i love the idea of potential you know mm -hmm. individual human potential which then feeds into collective human potential right like we're, right. we are all none of none of us are everything that we could be you know, so with me, I, for myself, I'm obsessed with the idea of getting a little bit better every day, you know, whether it's going to the gym and getting stronger and getting fitter or reading a book or listening to something that's interesting or having a conversation like this, anything I can do, you know, uh, praying, getting, getting closer to God, whatever it is, building relationships with my friends, with my family, with new people, making business connections, whatever I'm doing. I want to always be getting better, right? I'm a better person now than I was uh, two years ago. I'm a better person. I'll be a better person in two years time than I am right now. And I want to continue that throughout my life because 
you know, um, <laughs> like on the plane when they say, uh, put on your mask before helping yeah. someone else with theirs, right? Or I, I like the analogy of, you know, I want to fill up my jug before, you know, I can pour some out as I'm filling it. But part of the reason why I, I strive so hard to be successful and I'm so ambitious, et cetera, it's not, it's not all driven by some selfish gain. You know, it's not just, oh, I want to own like a bunch of supercars and I want to have like uh, hot, hot women around and I want to pop champagne and do this and have like expensive watches, right? It's because I want to give back. I want to build that wealth yeah. through giving to the world. And then once I've built up, I want to give back. I want to be able to do a lot of cool things. And with influence and with power and with an audience and with finances and all those things, they can be used. You know, these, these, are, these are neutral tools. Right. Right. Yes. They, they can be used yeah. for great good. They can be used for great evil. They can be used for something in the middle, et cetera. And I know for myself, I want to be able to pour out as much as I can. Right? I want to be able to help as many people as I, as I reasonably can in all sorts of different ways, whether that's just providing a little bit of inspiration on social media or through a video or a podcast or through a song or me performing on stage or um, writing a book about fitness that helps people to lose weight or build muscle and become more confident and become physically stronger, whatever, the, whatever I can offer, um, that's what I want to do. So I'm, I love just maximizing that. And like I said, my, even, my involvement even in getting in, involved in what could be called the, the so-called culture war is when I see things that seek to undermine that, right? Things that mm -hmm. pit uh, men against women or black against white or red against blue or this against that like there there are all these narratives and also people who are jumping into them and it's just you know more division more polarization and also more distraction also yeah. more distraction from from what we could actually be focusing on and maybe some of the things that we'd all agree on whether someone is a conservative or a liberal or they they vote this way or they vote that way or they're, they're black or they're white or they're a man or a woman or they're straight or they're gay or whatever right be despite the media narratives despite how it can feel sometimes on social media the vast majority of us have quite similar goals um, yeah. for us as individuals um, for our families for our communities our towns our cities our countries etc there there aren't a lot of people who are like you know who wake up every morning and they're like i want to make the world worse right i want like, that's my mission today <laughs> I want, I want to just make things worse. Now, maybe they make stuff worse inadvertently right. or they're distracted or, you know, they're possessed by some idea or ideology, which is causing them to do that. But most people mean well, despite it's so hard. Like, that's one thing I always try to maintain in my brain because it can be so hard sometimes because I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like, how can, you know, like so, some people, some people are malicious. Right. But. But Most you can people, tell when it's like coming from a place of like the best of intentions and it's like, and it's not in that moral sense. There's a true like ignorance at times. And it's like, oh man, it can be hard not to get frustrated with the individual. Mm -hmm. But then you remember like, oh no, this is, there's an opportunity here. And that's a diff, that's like a distinction to make. Like, are these people yeah, opportunities exactly. or are they obstacles? You know, and that's a good distinction exactly. to make with it. Um, yeah, man. And you know, and I'm not, I'm not perfect with it all, man. Like, I mean, my audience is, Oh, I, okay. My, good, good. my audience is, yeah. my audience is more than 10 X since the beginning of last year. Yeah. And it's going to keep growing, you know, it's going to grow into the millions. Um, I'm certain of that. And as that happens, I'm still, you know, maturing and growing and <laughs> learning the dynamic of all this stuff. I mean, there are more, I have more, 
I have more followers I can reach on Twitter just just by tapping a couple keys on this than my entire city's population. Yeah, that's I have a more crazy Twitter thought. followers than my entire city's population. So imagine like every time like I can just re reach the whole city. Like I could just stand on a podium and just talk to every single person who lives within a several mile radius of like that's that's just crazy and that's new um, both for me but also for also for the world. The fact that we're able to have this conversation in real time. We're in two different countries. We're thousands of miles away from each other. And we're just here and we can have a conversation and then we can put it online and other people, thousands of other people can now listen to it. And it's like, this is all new. That's right. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're used to it. We're used to it. But this, this is new. Like, I'm, you know, human beings are, we're, we're the same as our, as our ancestors, right? Like, mm -hmm. we, we just have better technology, but we still have the same emotions and desires and uh psychological traits and biological wiring and all that stuff like we think we're all advanced and we know this and we know that and all those stupid people in history it's like no man we've just, we've just got better stuff yeah <laughs> we're, we're, we're the same we're the same we just we just have better stuff and to your um, point you're making we don't even know all of the we don't know all the benefits which is a cool idea but we don't know all of the unintended consequences of some of this stuff right we have no idea because it is so new I mean, people weren't even able to read and write until like 500 years ago or so. I mean, really about 400 years ago. I mean, the printing press gets invented in, say, the 1500s. And then it, in 1600s, and it starts rolling out. But it's not really widely available, and literacy doesn't start kicking in. So all of a sudden, that's a world-changing event. It's a psychotechnology that completely changes uh, how we be humans, you know, and um, how we communicate, how we our memory even works. It, it completely impacted – it actually – the more access to information we have, the lower our memory goes, right? So this, these are interesting yeah, things. It's, that It's an unintended consequence, but it just, it happens, right? Your brain knows it doesn't have to remember stuff when it can go to Google or DuckDuckGo or whatever you do, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, yeah, yeah it's a, it, that's like a, a very simple one that people are like, oh yeah, that is interesting. But there's so many things, like so many moral things that um, we have no idea um, the impact until people are talking about us, say 500 years from now or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe not even that long, you know, even a hundred right. years. I mean, you just think a hundred years ago was nine. I mean, a hundred years ago was 1920. I mean, 1920 sound like how much has the world changed from 1920 to 2020. And that's, um, you know, that's one person's lifetime, like a, a good long lifetime. Yeah. But, um, you know, <laughs> two, two world wars, <laughs> um, all of the craziness of the 20th everything. century, oh my gosh, transportation, yeah. the, the invention of the internet, the invention yeah. of uh, video games and GPS and then social media and probably a billion other things that I'm forgetting. Um, you know, so many revolutionary things that have fundamentally altered the way we do things. And some of them are ones that we don't even that we don't even really think about. Um, I know this is one that Jordan Peterson's mentioned, right? For example, like uh, something like birth control and contraception. Like, yep. how has that affected the world? Like, these things, it, it, it affects society on, like, such a fundamental level on the way that people do things, people's behavior. Um, it has impacts on, on politics. It has impacts on everything, on the, the population itself, the way people view things. And... You know, social media is another one of those nukes, right? Where it's just like, we're all playing around with it, but we sort of recognize its power. We certainly recognize some of its, you know, drawbacks and its use and its its merits, 
but it's also like you know what does it mean that i can reach a third well i mean across if you're talking different platforms i can reach over half a million people right through my like over half a million people follow me online voluntarily mm-hmm. and i you know this isn't because i've i'm some huge superstar or i've invested all this money in advertising or whatever this is just like independent like, you. right yeah writing some words posting some videos doing some stuff and it's just like what does that what does that mean what does it mean for me what does it mean for the world what am i supposed to do with it how can i do how can i deal with that in a responsible way how can i deal with it without driving myself insane um and making sure that i stay positive and i stay focused on my mission because i do want to help everyone but at the same time i can't help everybody one to one i mean i get i had over 500 dms yesterday Mm-hmm. Right. I posted one tweet. I got 500 people DM me. How am I even like, I can't, how am I supposed to, what, what do I do with that? Like right. all these people at Zuby, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? I'm trying, I'm like, man, like I can't help everyone, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's going to keep, it's going to get more and more like that. Right. You know, it, it, that's only the genie's not going back in the bottle and mm-hmm. I don't want to put it back in the bottle, but it's like, oh wow. Okay. Now that this is happening, how do we manage this and how do we use all these things in a healthy way? How do we communicate? You know, one thing I always say to people, um, cause I do some social media coaching as well, but mm-hmm. one thing I always say to people in terms of communicating online, which is hard to remember is always remember that there's another human being on the other end of it. Right. Huge. So yeah. when you're writing that comment, when you're writing that, that, that message, that post, whatever, remember that there's like another human being or maybe thousands or millions of other human beings who will actually read that. And these people have faces and they have emotions and they have their thoughts and they have their life and they have people around them, et cetera. And when you think of that, it tends to make people behave a little bit better, right? Because as you know, people are, people are a lot more mean online than they are in real life. And it's because they're not getting the cues. Uh, You know, if you, if you can see someone's face, and you can look in them, look in their eyes, and you can talk to them, and you can build some rapport, etc. Then it's a lot harder to be extremely cruel or you know very hostile or aggressive, right? There's people things that people will say to me online that I'm fairly I'm fairly confident they wouldn't say to me to my face. Um, you know, right? <laughs> they're talking I'm a, I'm to the I, they're talking to the world record weightlifting for females. Yeah, I mean, they yeah, need to check yeah, themselves. You know, check themselves you know? yeah. yeah, so it's um it's a funny thing, but it's certainly world changing. Yeah, it is. And I want to kind of marry up two two points you've been making um, as we try to land the plane here for this conversation. Um, one thing that's super interesting, you're right, the, the technology and um, things are accelerated, um, but also there's just some brand new things on the horizon that we're sort of interacting with right now. And one way I try to make this point with people all the time is saying, or asking them, like, do you realize, so someone like Joe Rogan, or just not like him, but Joe Rogan himself is mm-hmm. technically speaking or objectively speaking, the most successful interviewer in the history of humanity. So more than like Walter Cronkite, more than like Barbara Walters or anyone, you know, in mm-hmm. news and media or whatever, mm-hmm. he's the most uh, if you just look at the breadth of work, um, the length of conversations, and honestly, the quality of the conversations, mm-hmm. the guy's the most success, which is like unreal, because it's not like he went to school yeah. for this thing. It's not like he's like educated <laughs> in it, right? Um, he's yeah. obviously good at it, which is it's working. But but mm-hmm. like, that's, a, that's an interesting thing to think about, that somehow this guy, this UFC commentator slash comedian writer, became the most successful interviewer ever. And, and that is a that's a brand new opportunity in human history that that kind of thing could happen or that you could get 
the accelerated reach that you got and the time you got. Um, it, it's, it's a brand new opportunity. And at the same time, the world that we're in um, or the, the societies that we build when they're flourishing ones, when they're good ones, when so much of what a lot of the West is and can be um, at its best is a society that's built on trust and trust between one another um, and, and truth in so many ways. And there's an interesting thing going on in that, um, that cultural conversation we were having earlier where you're talking about uh, folks will talk out of both sides of their mouth, essentially, you know, and they'll say mm -hmm. two untrue things. And there's, there's a number of people that affirm it for different reasons. Like they feel great. They want to like, just care for that person. They think that's the nicest thing to do. And also there's just a number of people that just ignore it. Cause they're like, it's too complicated to even engage in whatever. Mm -hmm. But when we do that, we essentially a let... A lot of people are just... A lot of people are scared, man. It's yes. Scared. People, cowardice is at an all-time high right now, man. 2020, mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever witnessed so much cowardice on, on multiple fronts. <laughs> I've never yeah. seen so much cowardice in my life, you know? Um, people are really scared and living in fear constantly. On, on Fear of a lot of things. Everything. Fear of a lot of things, right? Exactly. Um, I mean, even where we are right at this moment, like, you know... I think that sure, a lot of people are fearful of the virus itself, but I think a lot of people are more fearful of other people and how wrong they respond. Wrong thing about the virus. Yeah. They're, yeah. yep, wrong thing about the virus. You know, they're scared of governmental authoritarianism mm -hmm. and potential tyranny. I mean, I was in London yesterday. There were signs up, signs up everywhere in the train station saying, you know, you must wear a mask. 6,400 pound maximum fine applies. So, you want to find me what six thousand four hundred pounds? That's about what eight thousand dollars. Jeez, yeah, eight thousand nine thousand. So, so, so if I don't cover my own face, like breathing freely, and not covering up my own face in public, like I'm a female in Saudi Arabia or something, where I used to live, funnily enough. Mm -hmm. um, now in the UK, supposedly a free, liberal democracy, I'm now a criminal for just not covering my face and people want to yet would yell at me. And if I go on Twitter and I said, Oh, I didn't wear a mask today. I'll just get people start piling on and attacking me and whatever. Like people are afraid of that. And, um, right. and it's weird. It's the, the whole thing is very, very strange and political correctness itself runs on fear, right? It, it doesn't run on politeness. There's a difference between politeness and political correctness. For sure. Um, and you can be extremely polite and not care one iota for political correctness. I, I kind of put myself in that category. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll be always kind, civil, you know, I won't, I don't, I don't cuss. Like I'm just, mm -hmm. right. But in terms of my thoughts, I'm like, no, like this is what I think. This is my view. This is my opinion, whatever. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie or pretend I'm something I'm not just to make someone else feel happy or comfortable doesn't mean i need to say every single thought that's on my brain at all times i don't recommend anybody does that um but i i you know if i have a point to make even if it sort of goes against the current orthodoxy then i'm gonna i'm gonna share my thought and i think that mm -hmm. i think that everybody should you know i think that people should i think that's the value of actually we now have these platforms so cool like let's let's have the conversation right you know people keep talking about the yeah. science I, let's talk about science on both sides let's you know let's not talk about science when it goes along with the agenda and throw it away when it doesn't or listen right. to this scientist but ignore that scientist right because there's a certain agenda being pushed you know i'm um i don't know i'm very open-minded in that regard like um politically i certainly wouldn't call myself a liberal but when it comes to thinking 
I'd say I'm a very liberal thinker. Like I'm very open-minded. I'll have a You're obviously like open and interested in new ideas or in yeah, experiences. Like your, your life is a testament of a bunch of that, obviously. Like you're not a one dimensional or wooden person. And so, no, no. yeah, that's, that's, that's obvious from you, but also the conversations you're having um, in your own podcast, which you have, but also, um, yeah, just on, on Twitter, right? And uh, in whatever ways you can have those conversations. And I think, and so to and, simplify- and music, because new, new music coming next year. New music coming next year. I got well, I want to I wanna plug that at the end for sure, if we can. And uh, so, um, so to simplify things as we close up here, we've got this accelerated opportunity with the technology and the, the networking and the things that we have. Um, but we also have uh, flourishing societies are built on trust. And Alexander Solzhenitsyn has this excellent quote. He says, like, live not by lies. And he says that was, to your point earlier, mm. that was so much of the reason why um, the terrible experiences uh, and experiments in Russia with communism happened, is people were willing to believe or at least let lies go. And that starts mm -hmm. in a weird metaphysical way, tearing apart society. And so anyway, how do we... How do we resist this uh, or how do we uh, not just resist this, but how do we um, try to correct this and try to approach this and just deal with it in the ways, uh, but with the opportunities that we have with this technology and the platforms and everything else for you, but also what would you recommend to just a listener who has, you know, 600 friends on Instagram or something, or their Twitter following is like 500 or something. What do you recommend? Yeah, man. Well, you know, um, firstly, I'd say try not to use these things when you're angry. I think a lot of the people log into Twitter angry and mm -hmm. they go there in a very combative mode looking for things that are going to annoy them. So maybe first of all, don't do that. Um, but then, you know, think about, like I said, remember, you're always talking to human beings. And, um, you know, most things come back to the golden rule, right? You know, yeah. love your neighbor as yourself, treat, treat people the way you would want to be treated. Um, it doesn't mean you have to, you know tiptoe around everything like I was saying or you can't be you know edgy or controversial or you can tell jokes or whatever it is you know you do be yourself but don't say things that you wouldn't say in real life you know don't awesome. um don't don't just hide behind some anonymous thing and start slinging all this mud and venom at people if you know that's not what you do and, and ultimately it's not productive you're putting you're putting negative negative energy into the world so we all do it sometimes but mm -hmm. let's try to put in more, put out more positive energy than we put out negative. Yeah, because one will build a world and one will erode it for sure. And so um, people, one way people can learn more about you and this is to follow you on Twitter, obviously. But you've got a new album coming out. You just mentioned, let's, let's plug some of this before yeah. you go. Yeah, sure thing, man. Uh, it's going to come out first half of 2021. I've been okay. working on a brand new album. Really excited about it. I don't have um, a title just yet, but uh, that's certainly coming. It's been a while since I released a new album. Um, people can check out my podcast, Real Talk with Zuby. It's available on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, all the usual places. And you can find me on all social media at Zuby Music, Z-U-B-Y Music. Of course, I'm on Twitter, also on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. So follow me wherever you want. Awesome. Well, I would encourage listeners, uh, follow you in those places, but to um, support you somehow, buy your music, whatever that looks like, buy your book, um, but especially listen to your music and share it. That would be good. It would sell more. Uh, of the, the good things in the world we were talking about. So thanks for this time, man. I really appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate You're you making the time. Yeah. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.